All right, let me add my welcome to the one I hope you just received. My name is Ben Lowe, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. It is honestly a delight to be with you this morning, uh, worshiping together. Uh, there's a, always a lot going on at the church, and there's a lot of information that you can find out about different groups and, and Bible studies and means of connection and service. On our website, we always want to highlight a few things going on within our community on a Sunday morning. And so I want to highlight that on next Sunday, June 25th, our youth, which has just, who have just returned from a mission trip in St. Louis, are going to gather after worship to be able to talk about uh, their trip and to reflect on it. And I would love for them to be so encouraged by the 400 of you who show up to listen to them. And so let's support our youth by just planning a little bit of time after our service uh, next week to be able to sit and listen to their reflections. So that's Sunday, June 25th. And then finally, we're still looking for Mercy Meal volunteers. And so it's one of the, it's one of the, the means that we serve and love one another, is uh, this team that makes meals for folks in all kinds of di- different situations when they may be in a season of life where they can't make meals for themselves or where it just might be blessed to have the margin that's created. And you know, what says I love you more than um, a good meal? And so, if you're interested in providing meals to those when needs arise in our church, please email the office at office at gracepca.com. What I want to do now is just take a moment and just kind of gather our senses, our scattered senses, to focus them on God, to pray that He would open our ears and our hearts to be able to receive from His Word today. And so let's just take a moment together and then I'll pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we take a moment to uh, take a deep breath and to remember that your word is powerful. And that you dwell in it. That your spirit can use it to do amazing things. And so we want to give it our attention. And we need your help to do that. We are so easily distracted. And so would you have our ears open to your word this morning. So that we might receive your love your truth, your grace. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We give you praise and thanks in Christ's name. Amen. All right. We find ourselves continuing our series through the New Testament letter uh, to the Colossians. And we find ourselves today in verses 21 through 23. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. This is God's word. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death 
in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you to consider these words. Continue, stable, steadfast, not shifting. Continue, stable, steadfast, not shifting. Where do you need to hear those words? Continue, stable, steadfast, not shifting. I think what Paul is trying to tell us here is that sometimes you get to where you're going by staying put. When I think about what it means to get to where you're going by staying put, I think about my marriage. In a week or so, Katie and I will have been married for 19 years. And I... And when I think about that, the goodness of 19 years, 19 years which I don't think we would trade for anything else in the world, but it took us a long time to be able to say those words, I would say. Along the way, there's been many opportunities, pressures, and temptations to give up on one another and the relationship. Early on... In a marriage relationship, there's always the pressure to return to life before marriage. When you had more freedom, less responsibility, less hassle, marriage exposes so much of one's selfishness, our foibles. It's so much easier when those things were left unaddressed. It's more difficult to try to change the pressure to go back. There's also the pressure sometimes to give up and to move on. When things just become mundane, you lose the thrill of the notion that there's another human being on the earth who is committed to you to say, as long as I have breath in my lungs... And as long as you have breath in your lungs, I will love you, accept you, and be with you. Before you learn the important lesson of what it means to fall back in love, which is a very important lesson for a couple to learn, you may feel pressed in moments of mundane and ordinariness to move on. I am so glad that Kate and I decided to continue to remain stable and steadfast, not shifting from the promises that we've made. 
when I think about the things that have made me the person I am today, and I mean the person that I'm proud of, not the things that I'm not, of which there are many. Outside of my relationship to Jesus, my marriage and the choice to stay has been the thing that has forged the good things in my life that are there. It has exposed the things in me that I've needed to change. It has deepened me at the level of my character. And most of all, it has shown me what true love is. For someone to know you. Really know you. And still accept you. Even choose you. Sometimes you get to where you're going by staying put. The same, what's true of marriage is true of faith. The Colossians had begun their journey of faith well. Paul has praised them earlier in the letter for their faith, love, and hope. Still, he knows that there's going to be very real pressures, temptations at work in their lives. Pressures from the outside of the culture to let go of what they have to return to their former life. A life where there was less restriction, more freedom, less hassle. And also powerful pressures from inside the church to move on. The thrill is gone. To graduate from the gospel that they heard and to move on to Jesus plus. And to all of these pressures, Paul says, stay put, continue, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Paul will tell us three things in this passage. Continue in the faith, continue in the gospel, continue together. Continue in the faith, continue in the gospel, continue together. Here we go. Continue in the faith. In verse 21, Paul says, And you were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Paul there is describing certainly the Colossians' pre-conversion lives what their life was like before Christ. But it's also important to note that it's also describing the culture that they were currently living in, a culture that was essentially far from God, a culture that not only believed different things, but whose thinking was openly hostile to the things of God, thinking that led to a way of living antithetical to the way of God. In other words, in coming to Christ, they didn't get transported out of the culture that they were in. And you have to imagine in a culture that's alienated, hostile, and evil, that there would be pressures that they would feel as an intellectual and moral minority In their city. Pressures to give up. Pressures to flake out. Pressures to compromise. Especially when the the challenges of the way of Christ 
were most demanding with those things having to do with our body, our money, and our power. The temptation must have been strong to go back to a time when things were easier. And so Paul does a couple of things. First, he frames their former life in stark terms, alienated, hostile, and evil. And next, he compares those with four glorious words. Alienation is replaced with reconciliation. And hostile and evil deeds are replaced with the words holy, blameless, above reproach. And then he says, if you continue in the faith. Now the word continue there has the sense of remaining in a place. Literally like staying put in a particular location. And the place they are to remain is in the faith. Quick theology lesson. There is faith, our personal response to the gospel, and then there is the faith, the content of our faith, which is brought to us by others, the content of what we believe. Faith is our subjective personal response to God. The faith is the content of our faith, the truth claims of Christianity. And when Paul says, stay put, he's talking about the faith, the message, continue in it. He's not just saying, keep believing. He's saying, take this truth, this great gospel story, and in this cacophony of hostile voices, let it be the primary thing that you're listening to. The faith. In other words, you are living in a culture of competing voices. Voices sometimes outright hostile to God. Don't forget to turn up the volume on the voices that represent the faith. And that is something that we need to hear, is it not? You want to talk about living in a world with competing voices? And worldviews, a cacophony of voices, some hostile to God. Talk about the danger of cultural noise drowning out the beauty and truth of the faith. And not just directly hostile voices. So many just distractions, just noise. I was reading an old saint, Bernard of Clairvaux, profound spiritual writer, and he was talking about the steps that lead to spiritual decline in someone's life. And the first step that he says, the first step down on spiritual decline is becoming (laughs) light-minded, not taking seriously the things of God. Having your imagination occupied by primarily light-minded things. And so I just thought of what Bernard of Clairvaux would have thought about an hour on TikTok. 
reels and reels of 15 second moment of lighthearted distraction. And listen, y'all, I'm by no means anti-culture. I am not anti-art or anti-entertainment or anti-challenging ideas. As a pastor, I can actually be accused of being too open to these things. But it's incredible to me that we spend hours of our day and week devoted to the world of the non-stop propaganda machine of social media, the 24-hour news cycle, the outrage hysteria of online discourse, the socio-political melodrama, streaming service binging, and then we look at each other and we wonder why our hearts are drifting from God. As if we are unwittingly victims of our doubts. Like we just couldn't make the faith work. If we don't have as many voices in our lives championing Christ and the faith, what do you expect then that deconversion is the new conversion? Again, I love film. I love art. I regularly read and entertain and interact with ideas and opinions beyond my own paradigm and faith. I do that every day. But what is also true and what must be true is that we are feeding even more our hearts with the gospel. As Paul says later, to let the word of God dwell in our lives richly, almost like the word of God was a person that we're trying to create a hospitable place for ourselves in our lives. What would it look like for you to create a hospitable place for God in your interior being? And yet we fill our, the house of our hearts with music that God hates. It's like if God hated Coldplay and we just turned Coldplay up to 10 in our hearts. We want to say, we're playing the playlist you love, Jesus. We've, we want the atmosphere to be one in which the word of God dwells in us richly. To turn to the scriptures every day. To read theological and spiritual writers and thinkers to listen to podcasts and sermons, we have so much access to voices rooted in the faith. And to listen to the stuff in the faith which challenges us. The scary thing isn't necessarily for us that there are so many voices that are hostile to our faith. The challenge is that we live in a world where you can keep moving through the mall of ideas until you find someone who tells you exactly what you want to hear. And we tend to want to be affirmed in our thinking rather than challenged. To go looking for just the right milieu of authors, podcasters, and whatever, so we can believe exactly what we want to believe. And we can close ourselves off from the, the people and the ideas that we don't want to contend with. And so we go to for our preferred news podcast. We want to get patted on the head. Oh, 
I knew it. I'm so right and everyone else is so wrong. It's one of the reasons why I love actually being in the Gospels, to hear the words of Jesus. It's because I'm suspicious of everything and anyone who tells me exactly what I want to hear. And I promise you that Jesus doesn't. He's one of the most amazing teachers in the world. He gives me comfort, hope, grace, so much grace, mercy, but he also deeply challenges me. He doesn't always tell me what I want to hear. I don't want to deny myself and take up my cross and follow him. Yet he tells me to. And that's one of the reasons I think he's telling the truth. But if you don't want to, you can keep moving along through the hall of ideas until you find someone who tells you exactly what you want to hear. But if you do that, you will never change. You will never be challenged. You will never grow. Sometimes to get to where you want to go, you've got to stay put. Continue in the faith. Even when it bumps against your culture. Maybe especially where it does. Continue in the faith, he says. He also says, continue in the gospel. And so there was this temptation alive in the church to go back. But there was this equal and opposite temptation from inside the church to move on. The perennial temptation to add something to the finished work of Christ. Competing voices inside the church. Voices in the church saying, all you need is Jesus. And then voices in the church saying, you need Jesus plus. Jesus plus rules. Jesus plus regulations. Jesus plus performance. You got to work hard. You got to work if God is going to like you. He doesn't just like anybody. And there's other voices that say it's Jesus plus experience. You're not, you're not feeling, if you're not feeling it, if you're not having the right experiences, if you don't know the right angels, you don't have it. You don't got it. It's Jesus plus these supernatural and otherworldly experiences. People adding to the good news they've received, diminishing the finished work of Christ on their behalf. And to this, Paul says, not only continue in the faith, but to continue in the gospel. He says, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Well, what is the hope of the gospel that they heard? Well, he's talked about it a number of times already in this letter. He talks about it in this text. In verse 21 through 22, he says, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death 
in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So this is referencing the the work of Christ on our behalf, his work of becoming a substitute and a sacrifice for us on the cross. And that work is complete. Because of that work, we are now presented to the Father. He is our high priest, presenting us to the Father, holy, blameless, and above reproach. It is a present action. That is obscured somewhat in our translation. The NLT has the right sense of it. It says, Christ has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. The essence of the verse is better expressed in the book of Hebrews, where that biblical author says this, and just listen. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Listen to these three words. Once for all. For by one sacrifice, he has, listen to these three words, made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Once for all, made perfect forever. Or earlier on in Colossians, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In all of this, Paul and the scriptures are emphasizing the wonder of Christ's completed work on the cross. When it comes to salvation, it is finished. And we need to know that because if we don't, we'll very easily get it twisted. In fact, there is a word within our passage that can scare us. And the word is if. Oh, no. If. If you are anything like me, you hear the word if. And you get a little nervous. Things start to feel a little precarious. What do you mean, if? That starts to sound like there's some conditionality to our salvation. Like we could lose the thing. And in my humanity, I begin to to think that maybe in the end it does depend on me. You're saved by Christ, but i got to take it to the end. It's... It's my steadfastness, it's my stableness and my steadiness in the faith. Man, maybe the false teachers in Colossians are right. Maybe Jesus Christ isn't enough. Maybe it's Jesus Christ plus my steadfastness. Maybe it's if I go to church enough or if I memorize enough verses or if I give enough money or if I'm nice enough to my friends or if I measure up or if I stop screwing up. And in my frailty, I start going back to what do I need to do? But Paul says, no. It's what he's done. 
It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Paul's argument is not about our efforts, but about our dependence. It's about where we put our trust. And so the stability we need most in these days is not our own. We need the fulfillment of the great promise in Isaiah 33 when it says that at the end, God will be our stability. And he will be the stability of your times. And then in 2 Thessalonians 3.5, it says this. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God, and listen, and to the steadfastness of Christ. The steadfastness of Christ. He is the stable continuing, not shifting, steadfast one. Do you know Christ as being your steadfast Savior? Not only meek and lonely and forgiving, but tough, stable, thick-skinned, able to keep that forgiving heart through fire, through testing, through trial, with the strength and grit to persist in his love for you and me. His love is not thin, fleeting, or fragile. His love is not impulsive or unreliable. For his people, his heart is tender and gentle, lowly and loving, but it's love with a staying power. Steadfast, unmovable. Satan cannot chase away God's covenant love. Trying circumstances, no matter how severe. His love is steadfast. Jesus won't change his mind tomorrow about his own. He knows you through and through. He knows the you of tomorrow. He knows your forthcoming failures. And if you are His, He has set His steadfast love on you. Come what may. He loves His own today. He will keep loving them tomorrow. As challenges arise, as resistance comes, as reasons to the contrary emerge, He does not cave, give in, or quit He continues, stable and steadfast, not shifting in his love for you. And as a result, we are now and will be always holy, blameless, and above reproach. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. Let those words sink in. Holy, blameless, above reproach. If you really believed that, do you know what a fundamental reorientation of the human heart that is? That instead of walking around the world profoundly insecure, hiding behind all these layers of false selves 
that you and I have devised, this emotional armor out of our fear of rejection and to realize before the one who matters that you are accepted, holy, blameless, above reproach, and it is finished, complete. Yes, spend time meditating on that, bringing that into your heart. That brings a joy. And a confidence in your life that nothing can extinguish. And for so many of us, the thrill is gone. How could it be? Holy. Blameless. Above reproach. Some of you are tired of trying to create your own identity. Rest. Holy. Blameless, above reproach. You're tired of trying to earn. Holy, blameless, above reproach. This is tremendous good news. You know what an advantage it is to be on planet earth and to have a secure sense of identity? You know what a rare bird that is in our times? To not be controlled by your past. To not be controlled by the things you can't control. To be able to silence the inner voices of condemnation. To ignore them. And to continue to stand. Not shifting. Because you are holy and blameless and above reproach. What advantage is that in the drama and chaos of our lives to have this anchor Of the soul. This is what makes us steadfast. The steadfastness of Christ is what makes us steadfast. It's what allows us not to be flighty, fickle, or impulsive. It's what allows us not to be momentary in our loves of what matters most. It's what allows us to be stable, settled, fixed, and firm. But there is an order. His steadfastness comes first. And in rooting in that, we become steadfast, unmovable. Don't lose the thrill of it all. The gospel matters. Continue in the faith. Continue in the gospel. This point is much shorter. Continue together. And I find this in just... um, It says, indeed, if you continue in the faith. Guess what about that you? It's plural. It's y'all. Y'all continue in the faith. I don't know if somebody can continue in the faith by themselves. You need a y'all. You need others. Here's what I think about bullies. I don't like bullies. And here's the thing about bullies. Bullies aren't individualists. Bullies always have three or four buddies with them. They come in a crowd. Here's the thing. So do courageous heroes. For every Harry, there's a Hermione. You know what I mean? For every, for every Frodo, there's a fellowship. 
It's just true. And so you imagine yourself and you have the bullies of doubt, disappointment, and trial coming at you because they come in a pack. And if you're there and you think you're all by yourself and you're like, oh no, but then somebody pops out of the shadows and says, I'll stand with you. <laughs> and then somebody else comes out of the, I'm with you as well. And then you're, you're surrounded by a fellowship of people. In the times I have wanted to give up on faith and Jesus, which I have and which I do, I have needed others to help me along. Voices within my community and also the voices of the saints. The people who have gone before me, who have remained steadfast. I need to know what it did in their lives. The people whose life have become beautiful by believing this stuff. And Paul points us to that. In the end, he says, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. He's going to go on from here to talk about what it looked like for him to endure, what that produced in his life, the fruit it's producing in his life. He talks about how the, the, the gospel is being preached all over creation. He's letting them know that they are a part of this much greater movement of God's spirit. And I was just thinking about what it means for us. This, most of the stories we hear about the church are the stories of scandals. And we need to hear those stories because the church needs to be better. But if those are the only podcasts you're listening to, you don't judge a movement based on its scandals. Every movement has scandals. You, you judge a movement based on its saints. You judge a movement based on the lives of the people who actually took the thing seriously. There's so many people who don't. What about the people who went no holds barred in the way of Jesus? That's Mother Teresa. That's Paul the Apostle. Don't judge the church based on its scandals. Judge the church based on its saints. The people who put this thing into to, to practice, who took it to its extreme, and then you see, oh, this bears a good kind of fruit. Continue, friends, in the faith. Continue in the gospel. Continue together. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the letter to the Colossians. And it has been a challenge to me, uh, but ultimately a powerful reminder of the person of Christ, what it means that the work is finished, a powerful exhortation to root my heart and life more deeply in the faith more deeply in the gospel, more deeply in community.
Father, would you help us in a world in which it's so easy to bail, to stick it out. Give us stories of saints that do, that shape our imaginations and hearts in all the right ways. Help us to never lose the thrill of the gospel and what it means that you love us. We give you praise and thanks. In Christ's name, amen.